0: we will praise you in times of plenty in times of famine i will praise you if i get punched i will praise you when i die my last words will be praise for you you created all and all praise belongs to you and i gladly give it to you now and forever and i bless your name lord ways. That's an old chestnut that rings true throughout the years. Our understanding of the way God works is close to non-existent. Our understanding of what he wants us to do is written in the Bible and backed up by occasional miracles and unexpected signs. Remember, he is in control and not us. He is the one with the plan and we help or seemingly hinder, depending on what our frail human bodies do but remember that he is a loving God who sent his son down here to advance his plan and provide a way for us to be with him so don't worry don't obsess don't beat yourself up just be still and know that he is God Baruch Ata Eloinhu Shahakol Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, through whose word everything comes into being. Blessed be the Blessed be, blessed be the three perfect beings who accept our imperfections and who wipe away all of our sins. With the ultimate sacrifice. Blessed be the abundant love who came to earth to show us the way. Blessed be the works that he has given us to shine a path, to shine a light on the path back to him. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu, Melech HaAloam, O She Mas Asp Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who makes all creation. Be seated. So please read along with me, folks. Our responsive readings. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and that sin that so easily entangles, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So so the Lord set creation in motion with thought and purpose, holding nothing back. He created the world, this universe, and started the natural order of things. I don't know what God's plan is, but I, I do know that he loves us. I know that Satan is in this world and that he works to thwart the will of God and to subvert his people. Sin chases us with every step. So to thwart Satan, I will follow the Bible, bring the Bible to others, Live a good life, try to live a good life, in a, in a personal relationship with God. And I, I will fear the Lord so that I may gain some wisdom. The road to heaven is paved with hardships and work. And we must face our path with patience, love, fortitude, all in the name of Christ Jesus, and to strive to bring the world back to him. The example has been set by Jesus Himself, the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We are here because of God, and because of God we are saved through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and we will eventually be perfected by God and join with Him in heaven. And so it is worthy and necessary to follow the path of righteousness and to do his worth to do his work on this world. In God's name. Amen.
1: We had a, uh, a great Sunday evening last, last week. 22 people got baptized, right, uh, Sunday night. What a tremendous service. We had um, uh, some praise uh, music uh, for the service. Uh, just a, You can just tell that the Lord Jesus Christ was there and uh, you know i don't think there's there's any any more thrill for a pastor than to see people come to christ or to see people renew their commitment you know to christ Um, it is online if you want to see it okay and our own javier uh, was one who who got baptized i only held him under for about four minutes Uh, And I want to ask Javier to come up. Uh, we got a certificate for you. Yeah. This is a young man who took a courageous step of faith. Uh, and he proclaimed his love for Jesus Christ. We baptized him along with a lot of others that night. Uh, and he proclaimed that he... He'd took Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And his desire is to live for him. So thank you for letting us be a part of it. And, and we will keep you in prayer because we have to keep each other in prayer. Because as uh, Mr. Chip said, this, that Satan's out there trying to derail us, right? Congratulations. God bless you. and you pray for the other 21 who got baptized because you know that when you take a step of faith there's always hurdles then that, that come into play so uh, pray for for each other uh, <clears throat> as we go to prayer uh, my prayer is going to be short today i want to give uh, dr fuji as, as much time as uh, we can uh, first of all i'm gonna m- a lot of you know him right we've had joint services and um, I can tell you this: He's a he's a great man of God. Uh, I rarely meet somebody who's brilliant and compassionate at the same time. He is both, and um, uh, he's been he's been a good brother in Christ. Uh, we minister together many times, and it's been a privilege to to do the theological roundtable, to do the. Kelsey School of uh, theology uh, and it's been wonderful uh, he's a he's one of the best theologians I know if not the best and he'll make your brain hurt sometimes but that's what he's supposed to do he's a great pastor a great man uh, and we're fortunate to have him here today would you welcome him please just just give him a And before uh, Rob comes up, uh, let's pray. Um, And at least the trustees get angry at me. I need a couple of guys for the the offering. No, I don't. (laughs) Let's pray. What a privilege it is to be here, Father. It is good to be with God's people. It is good, Father, that we can come alongside of each other and encourage one another, especially in time of need. But more important than that, Father, we're told in Hebrews that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and find grace and mercy in our time of need. And we do that, Father. And Father, we ask that you bless the offering and we ask that you bless Pastor Fuji. Father, um, may your spirit speak through him to change our hearts. And Father, we will give you all the glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, uh, I had a neighbor who I was sharing the gospel with, and uh, a nice guy, really nice guy, nice family. Uh, And uh, I thought, you know, we were making some progress, and one day he comes over uh, uh, our house and he says, Pastor, I finally got it. I said, what'd you get? He says, I'm using the book of numbers to choose my lottery ticket. (laughs) And my heart sank, my heart sank. And then he started talking about the book of job, (laughs) right? Because he he always looked for a better job, you see, and he's he's talking about, and he totally missed it. Pastor Rob, may God bless you as you bring us to work today. Come on, would you welcome him, please?
2: Well, it's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've been talking to the pastor about coming down for uh, about a year now, pastor. Yeah. I, I didn't think it'd be under these circumstances, but uh, nevertheless, I'm glad to be here. And uh, we continue to lift up uh, in prayer the family, uh, pastor's family, and his brother. I know uh, his wife is here, and we continue to lift up you in prayer. And we've have been praying for you and your husband for weeks now. So um, uh, we're we're. Sad in that he's left us, but we know that he's with the Lord, right? I mean, uh, absent from the body, present in the presence of Almighty God. We all will be there someday. So So, uh, today, I just want to share with you, uh, in the songs this this morning, it was uh, uh, such a blessing to hear these songs. It was so peaceful and beautiful. You have such beautiful worship here. Um, But they'd mentioned several times that the devil and Satan... Uh, try to and do attack believers and try to undermine our relationship with Jesus Christ and our, our daily living. I mean, uh, d- you know, do we, we believe that the devil is real. I mean, it's not just this little red person with a pitchfork, but a, a very powerful spiritual being, although not omnipotent, not omniscient, and not omnipresent, meaning that uh, he is subordinate to God. Uh, he is a created being. Uh, but nevertheless, he wreaks a lot of havoc in our lives. Uh, Sometimes it's because we bring it on ourselves, and then sometimes, as we'll see today, that it's through no fault of our own, but rather, uh, he just is allowed to attack us for whatever purpose God has. Uh, And that's when we look at the book of Job, and I'm in a sermon series on the book of Job. I'm preaching Several weeks, when I get into a a sermon series, uh, uh, sometimes you can never get out of it. (laughs) And I blame my mentor, uh, George Hunsinger at Princeton. Uh, he He would always leave class early. And finally, we would say, you know, you have all these students, all these graduate students at Princeton, and you're always leaving class like 15 or 20 minutes early, and what's the reason for that? And he would say that he has to get to church to teach his Bible study. So one day I was talking with him, and I said, I said Professor, I said, you know, you'd mentioned that we don't know if you were kidding or not, and everybody's afraid to come up and talk to you and ask you um, why you're leaving the class. There's all these graduate students, and you're leaving to go teach a Bible study at, at, at church. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes. And I said, well, what Bible study are you teaching? He goes, I'm teaching in the book of John. I said, uh, okay, so you're teaching in the book of John. How many students do you have? How many people are at the Bible study? He goes, there's seven of us. I said, is that including you or without you? He said, no, that's including me. So I thought to myself, he's leaving Princeton with all these graduate students to go to teach at the local church for, with technically six other students. Uh, and I said, well, you know, you, you leave church, you leave class all the time. How, you know, how long is this? Are you teaching this? He goes, well, I've been teaching it. I'm on my seventh year. I said, wow, you're really committed. You're teaching seven years at, at the church. You know, he's maybe the world's greatest theologian. I mean, he's the Albert Einstein of theology, and he's teaching at the local church. He goes, oh, no, I'm, I've been in John for seven years. <laughs> so so uh, uh, I, I kidded with him one time, and I said I had, was in a sermon series, uh, and I was in the sermon series for 12 weeks, and that was about as long as I can go as 12 weeks. So I don't know, that, I guess that's four months or so. I don't know, I'm not good with math, but anyway. Uh, so I'm gonna share with you a little bit today And I'm going to try to conflate two sermons in one. I don't know if that's going to work, so you'll just have to bear with me. But hopefully you'll get something out of uh, the things that I'm sharing with you today. Uh, And I'll be sharing from the book of Job. And I'm going to read actually 12 verses in the book of Job. Usually I would read about six or so, but I'm going to read both of them. That way I can give you kind of a flavor for the life of Job. And, and what a righteous and good man he was, and yet all these terrible things came upon him. So it really begs the question of, why do uh, good things or bad things happen to good people, right? That's the question that the world always asks, you know. Well, he was such a good person, why did such a bad thing happen to him? And culturally, people would kind of suggest that, well, they did something wrong. It's called retributive uh, justice, meaning you did something wrong, that's why you're going through all these horrible things in life. Well, Job stands for a different proposition. And Job stands for the proposition that you could be doing everything right in life and have all these terrible circumstances happening because God has allowed it for whatever reason. I can tell you this, that studying the book of Job and going through, I think it's, is it 42 chapters, Pastor? It's a long book. But it really has three chapters, I like to say. It's got the first two chapters, uh, which is kind of the prologue or the introduction. And then the last chapter is kind of the epilogue. And everything in between is the conversations that Job has with his so-called friends. And, uh, you know, I guess they were friends to a degree. So, uh, but Job really tells us as Christians that when you go through circumstances and suffering or disappointment or death or loss, the question that we should not ask is why. We shouldn't ask that question, but rather know it's in the province of God. God loves you more than you love yourself. He died on the cross for all of us, right? Not just for me, but for all, and that all who would receive eternal life. So this God, that Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins and for us and for our salvation, certainly cares and loves you and knows when you're going through a difficult time. But ultimately, that difficult time has to be put in conjunction with eternity. We look at the suffering here and now and go, oh, woe is me. I'm going through such a hard, difficult time but God sees things differently. He sees things on a continuum that is eternal. So when we look at these things that happened to Job, God says about Job that he was the greatest in all the land, blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. I mean, all these wonderful attributes, and yet all these things happened to him. So I suggest to you, take that into consideration as we're reading Job and going to discuss Job and how that can apply to our life and our daily living, right? It would, it would encourage us that when we go through difficult times in life or we go through death or loss or something very tragic, we know and take comfort that God is in control of it. Even if we can't fully understand it, we may never know. And I've said to pastor numerous times after reading the book of Job and studying it and then preaching on it that, that I don't need to know why. I don't need to know why because I have faith in God and I trust him more than I trust myself. If something tragic happens to me, I trust God that he'll work it out, whether it's here or in eternity. And that's called living by faith, right? We have to live by faith, not by sight, you know? Thomas says, I, I won't believe that the Lord has been resurrected until I can take my finger and put it in, in the side or his hands, to, in his wounds. And Jesus said, Thomas, take your finger, you know? And then he said that some of you, there'll come a day, will believe without even having to see me or touch me. And so we are the church, and we believe without seeing or touching Jesus, but we can feel his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you have worship and you come together as a community of believers, and this is so important that the body of Christ comes together each and every week to worship together, to fellowship together, to to break bread, and to uh, serve the church and support the church, it's uh, wonderful things. But let me get to the part I'm going to read today. Uh, It's in Job I'm going to read chapter 1, just verses 1 to 12, and that pretty much conflates two sermons that I had preached before, and I don't know how much I'll get to today, but I'll give you a little bit of flavor for, for this and how it uh, maybe can apply to your life. And it says this, Job uh, chapter 1 at verse 1 says, In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking perhaps... My children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular custom. Verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God from nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Very well then. Everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So here we have what I called the dialogue with the devil. It's very, uh, it's only few times in scripture that we see actually God and the devil having this long dialogue. We know that in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness that there's this dialogue that Jesus is having with Satan. And here we have in Job in the Old Testament that Satan is having this dialogue with God. We have this man Job, he was the greatest man in all the land. And there were four attributes that I suggest to you and I try to suggest it to myself also. And I've shared this with the congregation over however many weeks I've been preaching this. I think I lost track, but it's probably six or seven weeks. That the four characteristics that Job had, we should aspire all to have, whether we're a young man or, uh, or older, no matter how old we are, these attributes, I think, signify followers of Jesus Christ. And they are this. These are the attributes and characteristics that God said about Job. He said that Job was blameless, upright, feared God, and shunned evil. If you take those four attributes and apply them to your life and yourself, you'll do well. Blameless. He wasn't sinless. There's a difference, right? But he was blameless before God. Why? Because his heart was right before God. I mean, here's a person who would pray on behalf of his children. And not only do that, but even a step further, offer sacrifices on behalf of the children in case they've cursed God in their heart. And he didn't know about it. He wanted to make sure. So Job not only prayed for himself, but he prayed for his children. We need to pray for this generation. Let me tell you, the generation, we're losing it. They're not coming to church. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible is irrelevant reading material. And we have to get back to the authentic church. We have to get back to the basics. And I think you do that here. I know you do that here, which is important. But society and culture says something different. You all are old fashioned, you're dogmatic, you're Bible thumpers, you don't know what's going on in the real world. Let me tell you, as Christians, we know what's going on not only in the real world, but we also know what's going on in the spiritual world. And this book of Job depicts just that. It's a dialogue with the devil and what it does, it unveils those things in the spiritual world. Here's the devil. He's going back and forth through the earth, looking for someone or something to do to cause a disruption, right? And then God says to, to the Satan here, yeah, by the way, I know you've been going back and forth, as you say, throughout the earth. Have you considered my servant Job? And then Satan says, well, not really, because you know what? You've protected him. You've put a hedge of protection around him. No evil could come to him. So no, I really haven't considered them. And then God says, you know, well, maybe you should. And Satan, the accuser, see, Satan is the adversary. He's always going to say something negative. How many people have had something negative said about them lately? I wish you didn't all raise your hands. I wish there was a few of you that had kept your hand down. See, Satan is a liar. And he's an adversary. And he's going to try to undermine your relationship with not only Jesus Christ, but your relationship with others. Professor Hunsinger used to say that when he looks at the great commandment of love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as you love yourself, there are two, uh, you know, lines. There's this vertical horizon, there's this vertical line that goes from you to God, your relationship with God, and then there's this, uh, you know, Uh, this parallel that goes from you to others, right? I mean, there's there's two lines here. Our relationship with God dramatically affects our relationship with others, right? And sometimes our relationships with, with others impacts our relationship with God. We've got to have everything in the right order. We have to have our relationship with God right, and there can't be anything that interferes with our relationship with God. That vertical, it's called a vertical vector. The vertical vector from us to God can't be, nothing could interfere with that. Circumstances, life, death, sickness, whatever it may be, can interfere with our relationship with God. Right? Doesn't the Bible say that? Neither life nor death could separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. You know, we've read, we read these things, but they have to become real in our life. When we read scripture, we can't just look at it on the board. It has to be real in our hearts. Scripture has to be real in our hearts. And, th- and then we have that horizontal vector of us to others, that we have to treat others like we would want to be treated. And I suggest to you the only way that you can treat others the way you would want to be treated is if you're right with God. They impact one another. So Satan says to God, you know, the only reason why he loves you and serves you is because you've blessed him. You've given him sons, seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys, servants and money and land and everything. Of course he's going to love you. But if you take all these things away, he'll curse you to your face. If you take all these things away, he'll curse you to his face. I was reading and I came across, you all heard about this and I'm sure we've heard, he who dies, what is that? Uh, He who dies with the most toys wins. Remember that from the 80s? You're probably too young to remember that, but some of us remember that. (laughs) That was Malcolm Forbes, right? one of the wealthiest people in all the world, the billionaire publisher. He was the one who came up with the quote, he who dies with the most toys wins. Forbes had plenty of toys and boats and planes and castles. He had all the symbols of the world, prosperity, power, and privilege. You know, it reminds me of those, those mummies, those pharaohs. You know, they have the pyramids, and they, have, they try to stuff everything they can into the pyramids so they can take it with them to the afterlife. I have news for you. They've went into the pyramids and they've uncovered that the stuff is still there. <laughs> he, the pharaohs weren't successful in taking it with them, Pastor. Did you know that? That's I really, that's uh, amazing. <laughs> I, I just can't understand. They spent all that time making the pyramids. We don't know how they made the pyramids with those levers and things. It was a lot of time to make these big pyramids. And then they got all their stuff from their kingdom gold and this and that and artifacts, and they put it all in the, in the tomb so when the pharaoh or king died, they, they, the stuff would go with them. It would be carted off with them. Well, unfortunately, the stuff is still there, and it didn't go. So I guess Malcolm Forbes is wrong. He should have known history better. You can't take it with you. The only thing that you can take with you is what you've done for Christ. Christ. And the question is, what have you done for Jesus Christ this week? What have you done for Jesus Christ today, tomorrow? We need to be waking up, and not just pastors and preachers and ministers, but you, as Christians, need to do something for Jesus Christ every day of your life. You don't know how many more days you have. I don't know whether I'm going to make it to tomorrow. That's in the province of God, but I can tell you this. I've discharged my obligations to God. I've done everything I can and everything, every day I wake up and I say, how can I serve God better? What can I do to expand the kingdom of heaven? And we need to have those type of perspectives. The time is short. The work is great. This church should be filled. You have a wonderful pastor. You have wonderful music. You have great theology here. It's a biblical church. You're never going to hear heresy from this pulpit. I hope I'm not giving you any heresy. (laughs) But I know from Pastor Lou, you'll never hear any heresy right? Church should be filled. That means it's your obligation to each run, one reach one. Bring, bring a friend in. Bring a family member in. They'll get saved. They'll get to know Jesus Christ, right? And maybe even someday be baptized. We baptized, I think we actually baptized about 23 or 24 people last week. I didn't count, but people come into Christ. There's a window that's open. It may not look it, but there's a window open for Christ, And I saw people getting baptized. Young man got baptized. He was the first one to go. We 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 took him first. (laughs) He was the brave one. We took him first. And he was. God was on him, and he knew. He knew. It was his time of reckoning with God last week, and he gingerly came into the water. I said, "Are you afraid? Are you okay?" He goes. A little bit. And we we got him and Pastor Lou took him and Pastor Lou went through the profession. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he said, yes. Have you rejected the works of Satan and evil in your life? Yes. And then by your profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he went under the water and he came out. A new creation through Christ. Look at the smile on his face. <laughs> he's got Jesus in him. And he's got Jesus in him, not because his grandmother's there and she loves Jesus and not be look at that's well and good. It's beautiful to have a grandmother that loves the Lord and a mother, but he had to make that decision on his own. Just like all of us. God has no grandparents. He has a good family. But God has no grandparents. You have to make that decision on your own. So we see Job here, we see the dialogue that God is having with Job, and he says, the Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your hands. The Lord gave authority to Satan to do these things, to do all these terrible circumstances in his life, and Job never once, through the whole book, and I can tell you this, in 42 chapters, Job never questioned God. He never questioned God to say, why did you allow this to happen to me? But Job knows that it's in the providence of God, that all he has and all he ever will be was because of the Lord. When all these things happen, I say, Job had a bad day, right? I mean, he lost in one day. When you think you have a bad day, you know how we come home some days from work or I come home from work or wherever you... Oh, man, what a miserable day. First of all, I complained to my wife. I shouldn't complain. So I'm kind of telling you a secret that this pastor doesn't complain, but I only complain to my wife because it doesn't count. <laughs> right? I mean, if it's, if it's your wife, it doesn't count. But when you complain to your next-door neighbor or your friend, it counts, and you're a complainer. So I can say wholeheartedly behind the pulpit that I'm not a complainer. I don't complain. But when I go talk with my wife and tell her I had such a miserable day, I have to keep in context the day that Job had. Job in one day lost seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, uh, 3,000 camels, 5,000 oxen, I'm sorry, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys, and numerous servants. It was a very bad day. And what did Job say when all this went on? Did he say, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? No, we say that. Job didn't say that. Or did he say, I have so much. Look at all that I've acquired. I have so much and now it's all gone. No, he didn't say that. Well, what did Job say? What would a righteous person say in a situation like that? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I leave. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And he got down on the ground and worshipped God. When was the last time we went through a difficult circumstance and got down on our knees and worshipped God? I'm not saying when you win the lottery for the $1,000 at the 7-Eleven And you're very happy about that. Oh, we shouldn't be playing any of those things, by the way. That's a sin. Gambling is a sin. Even lottery tickets. Even lottery tickets. Right? But when something terrible happens, our immediate reaction is, why me? Our immediate reaction should be based on the book of Job. Lord, I trust you. I have faith in you. And I know you'll see me to the end, no matter what the circumstances may be, whether in life or death, sickness and health, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. I mean, the Apostle Paul had it right. And I think we even, we even maybe read it a little bit today. I think the, the readings were from uh, Paul, Paul. Paul said, I've learned how to be content in all of life's circumstances. I have had a lot. And I've been in want. But I always thank God for all that I'm in and the circumstances that I have. I think sometimes we have to start appreciating God for who he is, not what he gives to us. Right? Because ultimately, the only thing that we can take with us is what we've done for Christ. Everything else, hay, wood, and stubble. Malcolm Forbes had it wrong. He who dies with the most toys does not win. He loses because he's lost eternity. So when we focus on these things of the world, society wants you to focus on things of the world, things that are tangible, things that you can touch or feel or see. But God shows you the invisible realm. And in Job, you have a peek into the invisible spiritual realm Of the world of what you live. So when you read Job and you look at Job. And you see this conversation that God is having with the devil. I believe that that happened. Do you? I mean, I believe that if the Bible says it, right? I'm I'm old-fashioned. I don't add to the Bible. I don't take away from the Bible. If the Bible says it, I'm stuck with it. Whether I like it or not. And whether I can understand it or not. I'm stuck with it. When I was at Princeton. Uh... We were having a discussion, and they were talking about Jonah and the whale. They love to talk about Jonah and the whale. And they said, Rob, you don't really believe that Jonah got swallowed by the whale. I'm like, well, it was a pretty big whale. It was a big whale. It wasn't a 20 or 30 foot whale. It was a 60 or 60 or 70 foot whale that swallowed Jonah up for three days and then spit him out. Just like Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights, and then the the grave spit him out. And he was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is just that. Baptism, we we live and we die with Christ. And then when we're baptized, we are resurrected by his power, right? We're resurrected by the power of God. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we live and have life and sustenance. And have a relationship with God Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're going nowhere, without God's presence with us. So I'm just going to close with these things that Job, faith, his faith never wandered away from God in all of life's circumstances, whether he had a lot, whether he had nothing. It never wandered. His wife gave him some bad advice. She said, Job, you've been through so much. It would be okay if you just curse God right now and die. Look, she saw him in a lot of pain. She saw him in a lot of suffering. She said, Job, curse God and die. And he says, how could I ever do that, you foolish woman? God has been so good to us, and God has been so good to me. And when we fast forward to the end of the story, you know, Job has a lot more than what he ever had before, although his sons weren't the same sons. He had more sons. He had more daughters. But I don't think it really mattered to Job in the sense that he got more at the end. People always say, well, Job, you know, he wound up, he, he got more at the end than he had in the beginning. Well, no, no, he lost, he lost seven sons and three daughters. You, you can't replace somebody that you love, right? So he didn't have more at the end, really, than he had in the beginning. But what he did have, he had his faith. And his faith was intact, no matter what the circumstances of life dealt with him. We have to get to that point, like the Apostle Paul, that we live life, see Christians, and I've been doing this 30 years, I've been doing this a long time. I may look so young, you know. I'm only 40 years old. It's a sin church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been pastoring 30 years, over 30 years. I started very young. I really did start very young. But in all my life and all the time, I've been in a lot of churches. I've been in some, pastored some big churches, preached in some big places, and preached in a lot of small places. And preferably, I mean, I think this is where it should be. This is the real church, you know? And I've seen Christians go up and down and up and down like they're in a boat tossed by the circumstances of life. Just when they start getting to know God, the devil comes and takes it away, and then they're out of church. How many times have we talked about this, Pastor? Somebody's really starting to plug into the Lord, and then circumstances happen, and then you're gone, and you never see him again. And Christians live their life up and down like they're in a rowboat in the middle of the sea being tossed and turned. Mature Christians live their life like Job. No matter what the circumstance, I have so much. I have so much. I have 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys, seven sons, and three daughters. I'm living my life like this. I have no sons anymore. They're all die- they all died. I have no daughters. He lived it the same way. And so was his relationship with God. It was based on faith. So, just the message I have for you is live by faith, not by sight, and live for Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you that we can come into this house of worship and sing beautiful songs of worship to the Lord and then hear the word of God unadulterated that will penetrate and transform our lives. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name and all the people said amen. 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 You're welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That was literally the third time I heard this message. <laughs> and every time I hear the message, it blesses me. Did it bless you? Yeah. Um, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I gotta tell you, the songs that I chose for this week were, were chosen even before Pastor Fuji said he would fill in for me Uh, And God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Uh, Pastor Rob is a Christological theologian. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, And you may not understand all of that, but what it means is that there's nothing more important than the person and work of Jesus Christ. Okay. And we're going to close with that. We're going to close with that. So I'm going to ask praise people, would you come up, please? and my appreciation you've blessed us today I'm also going to ask for a commitment on your part would you please pray for for our brothers and sisters at Tom's River Community Church um, we're all in the same family and pray for them because you know what they got the same issues that we be we battle with also uh so even though you don't you may not know some, I know some of our people here come to the round table and, and they know them. Um, please please pray, particularly for um, Don, right? Um, one of uh, the deacons is in serious health. So if you remember Don, pray for, pray for him, okay? All right, you're welcome. you're welcome. Um, would you stand please? And we're going we're to go where new life begins all the way to Calvary. As we close with a benediction, uh, you're welcome to greet Pastor Fuji before you leave. And uh, my prayer today is that we all leave this place in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we serve God and our Savior today. Amen? Let's pray. How gracious you are, Father. Thank you even in this church along with other like-minded churches people come into worship with all sorts of things on their minds and hearts but Father as we looked at the example of Job and the bad day he had Holy Spirit I pray you help us you help us To be blameless you help us to shun evil you help us father to love and worship you and you help us love others with the gospel of jesus christ thank you for pastor rob and his ministry here today and god bless each one as we go today and all God's people said, "Amen." Well, I was I was good on this side, not this side. We're gonna do it one more time. All God's people said, "Amen." God bless. You're dismissed.